Hi, I'm Joe Madden, and you are listening to Halfway Around the Halo. Fires the first. The Angels have no hit. The Seattle Mariner racing back to the track. Go! Welcome back to Halfway Around the Halo, the LA Angels UK podcast. It's been a while since we've recorded, so apologies for that. But the season has now come to an end and we're ready to get going with a bit of a season recap and a look ahead to next year. I'm delighted to be joined for a second time by the Athletics Angels writer, Sam Bloom. Sam, how are you doing? And thank you so much for coming back on. I'm doing great. It's good to see you again. I'm, uh, you know, I'm glad that you'll be able to get some sleep and, you know, <laughs> Put some in the, I know you have a new job, so it's, I'm sure that that'll help, uh, you know, yeah, it, it's, quite it's a year always, for everyone, but I know for you in particular. <laughs> it's always nice to get to the end of the year, and it doesn't last because I just missed Angels baseball quite quickly, right. but that first few weeks afterwards, I, to be honest, I'm sure it's pretty similar for you and anyone really in baseball, because the grind you have to go through all the time covering the team, you know, and it's late nights here, and then they're going to the East Coast, West Coast, whatever. I mean, there's no sense of like, stability is there in in schedules so i think for yeah. everyone it's just quite a nice relief and i know you just said to me off air you're you're actually watching some baseball today that it's just for fun right right yeah i'm just gonna i pretty much booked today to just watch four straight games and you know uh we'll see how it goes I've, in fact i'm covering the astros starting next week for the playoffs but i'll be coming back don't worry for any angel spins up <laughs> once once that once they're done i'm back but <laughs> yeah so i get a couple of days here to just relax before i go to houston that's fun so you're going you're going down yeah. to houston and i mean i imagine that's going to be quite a big playoff run for them they're looking who knows yeah it could be a, it could be a few weeks <laughs> could be but they're looking good i mean the astros have looked good all year and that's one of the things i guess we'll talk about later when we talk about the division because the astros at the start of this year they didn't get written off but everyone's just like there's going to be a lot of regression there. You know, they're losing pieces every year. They lost Correa. They're coming back into the pack. The Angels are going to be up there. The Mariners are going to be up there. And it just didn't materialize because the Astros are still by far the cream of the West. And it's going to be nice for you, I think, to go and watch a very, very good baseball team for a few weeks. Yeah, I mean, the division did not play out, I think. how. Uh, I mean, I think most reasonable people would have predicted the Astros would win the division. But I think you're right that uh, you know, I thought the, I had the Mariners winning it. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't think anyone would have predicted the way a lot of these team seasons went. I mean, the Astros pretty much from the start outside of, you know, April a little bit, they kind of were, you know, not great. But but then they got really hot and Mariners were bad for a long time. The second half of the season, they were incredible. Angels started off really hot. And then just, you know, we all I need to recap what happened there. Uh, <laughs> It's just, and the Rangers were supposed to be a little better and they really weren't. So, um, I mean, they were better, but a lot of, a lot of one run games and, and then, you know, the A's were the A's. So it was, it was an interesting division. I think that uh, no one really uh, could have predicted that. I think people could have predicted maybe the final standings, but maybe mm. not the way it got there. Yeah. I think, I think you're spot on. I think these final standings, if, if you're, you know, a realist and, and pragmatic thinking there, yeah. you would have probably said this at the start of the year. I mean, they're probably in the order they should be in terms of coming into the year, the levels of talent. I mean, obviously the Angels are probably the wild card there where, as we say at the start of every year, is, 
a lot of high-end talent. But as we were proven once again, the lack of depth and a lack yeah. of everything else that we are, I mean, we're going to unpick it. But ultimately, the Angels finished the year with another losing record, another disappointing season where they've come alive a bit in September. I mean, we seem to do this a lot. You seem to have a September month where you see signs of optimism. The young guys came up. You saw a bit of winning, but then we go back to square one. So let's start yesterday with a recap. We slightly touched on it beforehand, but Perry Manassian did an hour-long press conference yesterday, which you were in attendance to, at, along with other, other beat writers, other journos there. Just an initial sense of next year. <laughs> where do you think the Halos are going? Obviously, there's a lot of questions this off-season in terms of the ownership, largely. But did we get any sense of the direction the Angels might take next year? I mean, listen, I think Perry's message was ownership still wants to win and they're still going to invest in that. But I don't necessarily think I think it's one thing to say that. And I think it's another thing. We kind of see the actions that the organization's taking and it's tougher to kind of really internalize that and believe that. Um, you know, I think the team is a lot lacks a lot of direction right now. Um, and I don't necessarily and I read a whole column about this the other day. I just don't think that. Artie is necessarily operating in the best interest of winning. Um, and, and because of that, you know, he's still the owner for as much as everyone no longer wants that. And, and he's kind of said that he's going to sell the team and, you know, see how long that takes. I still don't necessarily know that he's operating in the best interest of winning right now. I think it's maybe even worse than it had been because obviously his incentive is to get the most money for a sale. You know, uh, he could come he could come and have do some interview and say the opposite, right? He could, he could quell that concern, but the fact is he hasn't. And uh, the fact is he has Perry going out and, and saying um, things, but it, not giving any real answers and not really giving any real indication of what the, what the path forward is. Uh, is the payroll going to be higher? It kind of has to be for the team to be okay. I mean, really their, their, their money is, is uh, really tied up in like three players in particular. And then the way that they kind of have, I mean, you have Lupa to Perry, you know, combining to make over 15 million and, um, you know, Max Stassi, David Fletcher, like those guys are making a decent amount of money as well. Uh, and, and then, so that's about 125 million or so kind of already tied up. And then a lot of guys are entering arbitration, which means they're going to have a lot more players getting raises. Like Taylor Ward had a really good year. He's going to get a nice raise. Luis Renjifo is going to get a nice raise and they deserve that. Um, you know, obviously Otani's getting a significant raise already. Um, so there's, it's just to, to really think that they're going to fill the holes, um, I don't necessarily know how they do that without really putting money into it. And then the other question is, well, if they don't fill the holes through free agency, could they do it through the development of some of their prospects? And I think that some guys are developing to some extent, but are those players like, you know, it's like Jeremiah Jackson, like someone who is a supposedly supposed, you know, going to be a good infield prospect, come up and play the major league level. As he developed to that point, his offensive numbers say no. Um, Jordan Adams, offensive numbers, again, say no. And so those guys that I think, you know, people were really expecting a lot out of, it's tough to see how they're going to be the ones that come in and maybe replace an Anthony Rendon if he gets hurt again or something like that. So I have a hard time seeing a path forward that's a lot better, but maybe Perry's going to, you know, finagle a great trade or maybe somebody's going to step up in a way we don't predict. Baseball is kind of crazy that way. I don't think anyone thought, I mean, the Guardians are right on behind me. I don't mm -hmm. think anyone thought they'd be good this year. So like Andres Jimenez is, a, you know, MVP candidate, like things like that are, are sometimes unpredictable, but I don't necessarily know if the angels have that in them right now. In fairness, I do think the angels might've been quite good in that division as well. It's a, it's a good point. 
not not the yeah. strongest. But you make yeah. you make some good points there, and it is a tough look ahead to the off season when you think about the holes that this Angels team have. I mean, the back end of the pen, you said it yourself, like Loop to Pera Iglesias, none of those signings worked out. You we've we've got by by a few few guys coming up some development and there are some potential pieces i know you've you've written about the, the farm system and there are some guys that could potentially come up and help the major league bullpen next year some some potential back end pieces but at the same time it's all all a mystery the starting rotation was probably the asset and the strongest point this year but there's still going to be two guys missing i know there's been some talk hasn't there that we're going to go to a five-man rotation next year a bit more um and whether it's that possible. happens is yeah. possible and i think that probably would be a positive um, looking at the guys we have in there. Although then you have question marks over Atani and what he can and can't do. Although the man's just a machine and we're going to dedicate a segment to him shortly. Um, And then, as you mentioned, you you look at the hitting, that's been the big problem this year, hitting and depth. Where are we going to find the money to get enough pieces, quality pieces in? Because Rendon just cannot stay healthy. I don't think any of us can expect him to be healthy for a full year. We know Trout will have his annual injury at some point. As great as he is, he's going to miss time. The infield question is still there. Like, we've been lucky with Renhifo this year that he's come up and finally shown a lot of that promise and shown he can stick in the majors. But then you look at with him, Fletch, and can Levan Soto stick around? I don't know. I think he's been quite fortunate um, so far. I honestly think you need another middle infield bat there, but I don't know if you can get one for the price. And then you've got question marks. I know everyone's been saying Stassi and Walsh and so many holes in this lineup. And where do you find the money to, to get them? And I guess then finally you talked about trades. I think that is where Perry's going to have to go to work. I see no way of improving this team dramatically through free agency. And I do think there's probably some trades to be made. I just don't know where they are. So if you had to put some, you know, some predictions very early on in the offseason, the direction you think Perry might go, what would you say it would be? I mean, listen, I, I think a lot of the strategy is to run it back. I mean, I just do. I think that's kind of, uh, you know, I think they'll fill in the way that they filled in last year. I mean, uh, you know, things like guys like, oh, Tyler Wade, Andrew Velasquez, Matt Duffy. Like, I know people hate that, but I, I don't necessarily, I think they'll be able to maybe go out and, and sign some decent players to one, two year deals. But the reality is, I mean, even the way they handled the Phil Nevin situation, I think you can make a case that he deserved to come back. But I also think that the reason he came back was not because he deserved or didn't deserve it. I think it was a lot had to do with the fact that they could get him on a one year deal and he would, you know, gladly accept that. And and they don't want to, they don't want to have financials, you know, they don't want to have big tie ups financially uh, beyond what they already have. I don't think for an for a sale. And so I think that will mean, hey, are you going to be able to go and get like a Trey Turner? I mean, not that, not saying that that's the right move or a Carlos Correa, if he obviously is. is yeah, I, think that's, I think he's exactly the right move. So it's what yeah. this team needs. You put a Trey I, Turner I agree. or a Carlos Correa in there, it makes so much difference. But Yeah, I mean, obviously Carlos Correa, I mean, even guys like, you know, Aaron, Aaron Judge or or Brandon Nimmo, like good players mm-hmm. that I think could, uh, Jacob DeGrom's going to be a free agent probably, most likely. So there's a lot of options uh, that they could spend a lot of money on, but I just don't think that they're going to be the team that wants to go big. I think, you know, you might see guys between one and four year deals, but are you going to see guys like a big splash at this point? I don't know. And maybe that's not the right thing for them to be doing anyway. Obviously their big long-term splashes haven't panned out for the most part, 
ever. Um, but it, it's just tough to see what they're really going to be able to invest in. And so, you know, maybe there will be trades out there. I, you know, I, again, I don't even know how many free agents are going to want to sign with the Angels. I mean, yeah, why would you at this point? Why would you? You see, you see them. I mean, they're, they, they are the most disappointing team in baseball. They are a running punchline pretty consistently and for good reason. Um, you know, and, and not only that, there's just always drama beyond beyond the field. It's there's always something going on here. And I just think people see that and, and you know, they don't see a team that invests in winning. If you look at the Dodgers, they do everything right. Mm-hmm. It's such an interesting contrast, the way that they develop their players and then how those players that are developed from almost nothing can be then turned around into good prospects that you trade at the deadline, things like that. Um, the Angels don't ever really put those types of things together. So a trade is always difficult. Like, who are you going to – like, who who in your system are you going to trade? Um, you know, the best piece they have is Joey Otani, and I don't think they're going to try to trade him. So it's just – it's it's tough to understand exactly where they're going to be able to really improve outside of players just getting better that are already in their system. And uh, I think that will require having good coaches. Um, you know, we don't really know what the coaching staff is going to look like next year. They've not been committal about – and if anything, I think when, when it's been asked in the last couple of days, it's been almost like, well, they worked really hard, but we'll see, which is never <laughs> – if you're a coach on the staff, you're probably not super excited about hearing that. Um, you know, so I, I feel for them. They're you know, good, good people and everything. Jeremy Reed is, is a good guy um, for as difficult and as bad as the hitting was, you know, I, I feel for him. Um, because he gets it, it's but it's part of the job um yeah so it's uh, it, it's tough i think um I, you know i just they're just gonna have to to make do with what they have to some extent i think is is the is the moral of the story here and mm. um you know maybe a guy like ben joyce comes up and because they don't really have like in the bullpen they have they have some good finesse guys like Jer- jimmy herget had it outstanding mm-hmm. year really truly outstanding year and i wouldn't if he closed games i think you could do a lot worse um but at the same time i think if a guy like ben joyce comes up and he had an outstanding stretch in double a maybe this guy isn't too far off from being ready yeah the angels are already pretty active and aggressive and bringing guys up something like that can make sense um but then you also look at the system and you say oh someone like sam bachman really regressed I think Kai Bush had a really good year statistically, but I'm not sure if he really took some of the steps that they wanted to see as much. So, uh, you know, there, there, there are some goods and some bads, and I think there's an opportunity and path forward for the Angels to be decent next year, but it, it, it's, um, it, it's tough to necessarily predict exactly how they'll get there. Yeah, no, I mean, as much as all of us don't really want to admit that, I mean, at some point I think we have to, acknowledge the fact that this is a team that has struggled for so many years we're now going into an off season where usually we at least have a bit of hope we have an ownership that gets decisions wrong but we'll stick a hand in a pocket uh, generally and go out for those big free agents you can't see them doing that this off season whether you think it's a good idea or not so it is slightly concerning and I think you touched on coaches there and we'll see what happens with them but just wanted to get your take what did you make of the Sports Illustrated Joe Madden article that came out yesterday for Joe's book because a lot of that discussion I mean if you dig into it a lot of that it was Joe obviously frustrated with how modern base was going but another part of that was again Joe wanting to be the guy right Joe wants to be the manager he stands up for his coaches like every decision comes through him and if you know if there's negative things being said about his coaches he wants to take responsibility for it what what did you think of that article and the way it played out and 
what have you seen, I guess? Because you're around these guys, you're around the clubhouse. You, you see some of this, I guess, um, developing. I mean, yeah, so with the Joe article, and I haven't read the whole thing. I read, you know, a chunk of it, but I know pretty much his complaints at this point. Um, I, I think Joe has put himself in a position where he won't get another managing job. So, I mean, I, I, I'm not sure. He keeps saying he wants to do it, but then he basically comes out and says a bunch of things that would make any GM never hire him. Uh, so I think that's interesting. Uh, you know, Joe's a tough guy to read. I, I, I like him. I also don't necessarily know if like I trust every single thing he says uh, or, or if he's aware of everything that's happening. There were certainly plenty of times that in our you know time dealing with him where I didn't get the sense he was on top of everything. Um, so especially like injury stuff or even just like, like who's in the system and, and stuff like that or even just explanations for why he did stuff like walking a guy in just stuff like that. I'm like, what are you doing, man? I'm like, I'm, I've never managed a team at this, at this level, but like, why is, why you, I, so I don't know. He's a good manager. I mean, maybe he'll get, an, maybe he'll get some interesting you know opportunities. Maybe he'll get a look, but at this point, I think he's really put himself in a tough position as it relates to the angels and, and the things he's kind of saying about them. I mean, listen, I, you know, I, I think, managers in general are um you know they don't always want to have people in the front office who don't necessarily play or haven't played baseball or don't know certain things about the nuances of running a clubhouse to tell them what to do and if perry did call down and say get mike Trout out of a game i would be upset too if i was joe i would i understand why he would do that uh and i understand mike trout is mike trout and it's a unique circumstance and if potentially if he complained about a groin injury earlier in the day and the, it's a blowout, he should be taken out of the game. I agree with the decision to take him out of the game, but I don't agree with the general manager calling down. And so I think with that, you know, Perry didn't deny it. He didn't say it was true. He just kind of said Joe wants to sell books. So take that for what you will. I, I don't know really what to make of that kind of comment, to be honest with you. Um, but but uh, listen, I mean, I, I think part of the issue is not just Perry being over or Perry or the front office being overbearing or Joe being too autonomous. I think it's that you have a guy like Joe who has been doing this for a very long time. And you have a guy like Perry who hasn't and Perry did not hire Joe. Um, you know, if anything, you know, Perry was there after Joe got there. And so I just, that's not going to, it's just not a, it's not a match made in heaven. And, and I think with Nevin, you know, maybe, um, maybe, also some somewhat old school i think you know more of a blend type of old school new school kind of manager but th at the same time like he it was someone that was hired by perry uh someone who's a little bit more uh novice at the role and so maybe there's a little bit more path forward for that front office and that coaching staff to work together a little better um so i don't make too much of what joe said i just i think that he's kind of uh being a little bit i don't know i just you know i i, I just feel like it's what does he think? I mean, the word, there's a couple of things Joe have said in the past few months that I don't necessarily make sense of like the whole idea of baseball people. I don't know what that means. What is, what is, what is a baseball person? It Perry's a baseball person. Alex Tammond's a baseball person. They're all, they've all, they just do different things in baseball. And I sometimes think that that is a code for, you know, a certain type of person that is a little bit more old school and doesn't really like to like listen to other people. And, and, and the word, the word analytics also is such a boogeyman. Um, it's it, all it is is information um so if you're just if you don't want information i guess then you know maybe 
maybe Joe's your guy, I guess. I, I don't really understand why he's, why he's kind of taking this, uh, this, this position, uh, not, not to defend Perry or anything like that. I just, I sometimes read what Joe's or hear what Joe says. And I'm just like, what are you saying, man? So that's my perspective. No, I get that. And I think one of the things that got me in there was Joe was complaining a lot that Perry would constantly talk about, you know, what the Braves would do and what the Giants had done. And he was complaining. He's like, you know, we're not those guys, we're the angels. But at some point, and I think there was some consensus on Twitter about this. There's some point saying like, yes, we're the angels and things haven't been going right. So why would we not look at what successful organizations have been doing and try and implement some of that? And I think, Obviously, I read this article, and at the time, and I probably still am, at the time I thought Madden shouldn't have been fired. Not for the performances. I think after the start of the year, it was a terrible run, but I don't think he should have been the guy to go. And I probably still stand by that in terms of actual on-field performance and everything else. When you read articles like this and see comments, clearly, as you've you kind of alluded to, this was always going to end in disaster at some point. It was just a case of when because they clearly had clashing philosophies, different schools of baseball, you could call it. And ultimately, Perry just came to a decision when he had the opportunity to do so. He said that he went to Moreno as well. And that's the interesting thing, I think, in all of this, because everyone always assumed that, well, not just assumed, it was. I mean, Madden was was Artie's man. Like, Moreno and Madden obviously go way, way back. And in the article, it basically says that since the firing, he hasn't spoken to him. They haven't had communication between the two of them, which seems quite striking when you always consider that Moreno always wanted Madden to come back and be the Angels manager, and they seem to have a great relationship. Yeah, and, and you know, I just, I think that people, I mean, listen, I, I think the 12-game losing streak was an off, like, I think it was even written in the article, an off-ramp for this to end. Um, and, you know, I, you know, it's interesting, I don't necessarily like I did see that in the article and I still like and I heard Perry say that on the day that they fired Matt and I like honestly part of me still doesn't believe it like because it doesn't really make sense for the RVs yeah. to be like yeah yeah well, just it, doesn't, guy. yeah. it doesn't make sense to me so you know I don't I'm not saying you know I'm not saying it's not right I, I just I have a hard time really reconciling that fact um because already from every every account is really hands-on and um doesn't give a ton of autonomy to his GM. So why would, why would a huge decision like this make, make a lot of sense, especially, you know, that 12, that when they lost 12 in a row at that point, you know, they were, they were playing really poorly, but it, it wasn't like the season was over at that point. Um, and, and really like, even in those games, like they probably should have won like at least three or four of them. The bullpen blew eight of those. Yeah. 12 yeah. I mean, they, we had, they should have won. yeah. So it's like, and if you win, if they won like one game in the middle of it, and you just yeah. you were playing really bad, none of this would have happened. So I just do. I think that the Angels were a better team, would have been a better team with Nevin or Madden. I, I, that's really tough. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that this this they were exposed during that fourteen game losing streak, and then it just got worse and worse, and their depth became like a massive problem. I, I think at some point this season would have always gone badly because yeah. at some point it would have been it just would have burned out, which is what happened. Um, yeah. That being said. Um, you know, I, I, I think Nevin kind of got the brunt of that. Uh, I think like the brawl really didn't help them. It just, it just kind of depleted them even further. Um, so there was just a lot of factors, I think, of why the season kind of went the way it did, but, but firing Madden, was it justified? I guess, but would it have made a big difference? No, I think this was always going to be what happened. Mm, I think you're probably right. I mean, 
there's no way any manager can <laughs> can cover up for some of the losses we had of players and some of the lack of depth, as you say. Yeah. But let's move on to the positives and the main positive. And I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but I read you've got the enviable slash unenviable position of voting for American League MVP this I year. Right? I just voted last night. So. Oh, you did? Okay. I can't so you tell voted. you I voted for that. No, you can't tell me, but <laughs> obviously Shohei Itani, what a season. Aaron Judge, what a season. When you're looking to vote in those sort of things, what are you considering as like your main metrics to, to pick a winner? I mean, here's what I'll say. I, I, know, I know people put a lot of emphasis on who's on a better team, and I don't, I don't think that matters at all. I don't think who your teammates are should have any impact on, on um, you know, who's the MVP. That, does, that being said, it doesn't mean I voted for Otani or Judge because I can't tell you that. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, I just – I don't think that's a factor. I think really what the factor is is, like, you got to look at a lot of different numbers. It's really, really, really tough to, to, to measure those guys. I think it's, it's easier to measure like a fifth or a sixth place guy. Like, oh, like how do I measure Mike Trout and Jose Altuve? You know, both guys who are in that ballot for me, but, you know, one's higher than the other. So you kind of have to, okay, you look at offensive numbers, you look at OPS, you look at, uh, you know, the home runs, you look at the availability, you look at all those things. Um, for me, like when you look at, trout or you look at a otani and judge it's, it's a lot tougher so how do you assess value when these guys do two completely different things really um and so i, I you know I, it's tougher i can't really go too deep into it because then it would probably reveal what i voted for <laughs> but uh i'll just say that i think they both had insane seasons and i think that otani had a better season than he did last year and obviously he was the unanimous mvp last year so i mean he had a much better year but obviously he wasn't going up against aaron judge either right. aaron judge um, you know, probably one of the best offensive seasons of all time. He didn't set. <laughs> I, I also say this about the Aaron Judge coverage. Um, ridiculous, just totally yeah. un, unnecessary. I mean, having the cut-ins on ESPN, um, uh, it didn't make any sense to me. I, I thought what he was doing was impressive. I didn't think it was, uh, you know, families gathered around the television as if it's like the next great historic world event uh it was cool he had 62 homers i mean he set an american league record don't care what roger maris jr thinks either um so there's some stuff about it that was just like seriously but that doesn't really i shouldn't take away from what he did i just think that you know he got kind of i mean and he also like all the drama about who's calling it like is it going to be michael k or it's going to be apple mm -hmm. tv like apple paid for those games that's their games they yeah. should get to call it so you know, but Shohei Otani had the, had a better year this year, a much better year this year, yeah. I think, than he had last year. I don't think it's anybody, and that's the thing I think people don't always understand with Otani. It's that like he's, it's not like oh he had a great year last year and then he had a great year this year. It's like no, he had a great year last year and he had a much better year this year. Yeah, as a pitcher, he was he was one of the best pitchers in the entire game. I think if he had played every five days, he'd be the Cy Young this year. So yeah, it's, he was the best pitcher in the majors for the last three months of the season. I mean, 100%. yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. He, he won't win the Cy Young, but if if it, but if he had played every five days and then and then had like those, I'm not sure what happened at the Yankees game in June, early June. I think he might have been tipping, and then after that he was. I mean, after that start, I don't know what his exact numbers are, but they were uh, phenomenal. You know, yeah, just yeah, they were like probably like a one ERA if at most. Yeah. So it's um yeah that that that's the type of year he had offensively. I I know the home runs were down, but I do think he had a better offensive season. Yeah. He was. Did not go through slumps. 
uh, really outside the very first couple of weeks of the season, he was in a bit of a slump, but really outside of that, he was consistent getting on base. Um, you know, I think if he had hit 40 home runs, he'd be unanimous MVP again, but it's, uh, you know, this just, it's some people won't see that. So it's, it's interesting. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think I can't disagree with anything you said, but I mean, for me, I said it the other day, I think it's the greatest season in history, right? I think what Shohei did this year, nobody's ever beaten this and nobody can beat this because of what he did, the way he was as a pitcher, as you said, last year was great, but you can definitely make arguments why, I mean, yes, he probably won last year because it was the first year of doing this greatness at this level. And, and Vladdy didn't have that. And Vladdy didn't have the same year yeah. the judge had. But this year, like, show is taking up notches, as you just described. So I think, as you, when you talk about the, the, uh, the reporting of it, let's be honest, if Shohei Atani was a New York Yankee, this would not be a question. Shohei Atani would be the MVP right now, would be unanimous. The fact he's on the Angels is, for me personally, the only reason why there's any sort of discussion, regardless of how good Judge was this year. The only reason for this discussion is because one of them's a Yankee and one of them's an Angel. I totally agree. I mean, I, listen, you know, I, I don't want, I'm not trying to take away from Judge's season, um, but I do think that, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, uh, you know, the, the stuff like from even like John Heyman, that guy, he's, he's, you know, he's what he is, but like, um, I mean, there's just, just the way he, the stuff he wrote in some of his articles uh, thought it was over the line, like his, especially this, the comments he made about Nevin, like, because mm-hmm. Nevin had said, like, I view Judge as a son. And then he's like, well, maybe hopefully his actual father has better family values. I'm just like, eh, really? You needed to say that? I mean, uh, some of that stuff, uh, especially, I'm, I'm, I don't, you know. The whole discourse from the Yankees, I think that's where it's different as well. I don't think you'll find many, and maybe a few in retaliation, but you won't find many Angels fans trashing Aaron Judge just because he's going up against Shohei Atani. I think most of us can just appreciate the fact they're both fantastic baseball players that have had excellent years whereas you look at the from the Yankee side of things and maybe this is just insecurity because they know deep down the Shohei season is just a little bit more special but every other comment is trashing Atani and he's not this he's not that you know he's not even top 10 in this or he's not even top five in that and it's just that discourse I think has changed between what you see coming from the west coast and I know that this is one area where all of our everyone connected with the team They've all kind of united on this message, haven't they, for Shohei, which I really like to see. Yeah, I mean, I, I, Angels fans, obviously, I th- I mean, they don't have a lot else to root for. So, <laughs> you know, I, I, I get I get why this became, you know, big for them. And it's important. I mean, listen, the Angels have have MVPs. That's kind of their they don't have World Series rings, but they have a lot of MVPs. Yeah, we have one. We have one. Yeah, that's that's true. None of the people. Yeah, not for a while. It's been a while. I know that was your first year as a fan. And <laughs> so you, you you obviously can appreciate that. Uh, it's I mean, it's tough. I mean, listen, this is this is rooting for Joey to do well down the stretch was a big part of the end of the season. Um, and uh, I think there's I, I think Angels fans appreciate Otani for being here, for playing hard and mm-hmm. for and for feeling responsible for the team's success. Um you know, I, I, I think um, that's says a lot about him. Uh, they appreciate his character, um, mm. you know, and, and that's 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 why he's their MVP. I mean, it's it's if you're if you're a if you're just a casual baseball fan, I think you don't always you just know Otani does both. You know, it's really cool. But I think if you're a really hardcore Angels fan, you you see what Otani says, you see his mannerisms, you see his his 
the the fact that when they lose, he takes it on himself. You see that he's um, he's genuinely per- he's perfect. Yeah, he's, he's per- like if you could yeah. if you could you know start from scratch and design the perfect player, baseball player slash person, you you do show hey. So it is. You're right, and that's what other people won't necessarily see, will they? They don't see the mannerisms either. They don't say that, see the way he is with his teammates. Maybe from Japanese media clips because they are great at getting that stuff. Yeah, they well they they have like an Otani cam, so he's yeah. they get everything, and so <laughs> it's you know <clears throat> it's awesome. I mean, he's just got you know we don't really talk to him much. It's just kind of the way he prefers it. Mm-hmm. So I obviously would prefer we talked to him more and he was more available. But you know I'm not going to complain about it. I think that you can learn a lot about Otani just from watching him. Um, there are obviously important questions for him and, you know, you get a chance to ask him once in a while, like about his future here. And, you know, I, listen, I, do I think he wants to be here long-term? I don't, um, I think that could change, uh, if, if there's, a, if the team is successful next year, or if there's an owner that convinces him that it's in his best interest to stay, but right now, I mean, he wants to win and the angels don't win, but that doesn't mean he's not all in on being as good a teammate and as good a person and as good a player as he possibly can be. Um, so annoying when you, you it's annoying when you do these things and you don't have any disagreement but that's exactly what I think about Shohei this year I mean he's he's obviously going to come back next year he'll give it his all he always is all in on the team he's with and everything else but you look at the comments he makes and just he's the most polite person to say look I've given up <laughs> some of my best <laughs> years to this team that has won what how many games did we win this year 70 something three yeah 73 yeah so I can't. They, keep... they lost more games this year than they did last year. Yeah, so we pretty lost pretty much a healthy Mike Trout. Like, what can you do at that point? Um, and I, I think he does want to go, but we'll see. But then it's a mistake for the Angels, really, just to let him go for nothing, unless we bounce back next year. And as you say, they're trying to run it back. And we always live in, always live in hope that one day, one day it's going to click. Speaking of MVPs, quickly though, obviously we're talking about Shohei a lot, but. Out of nowhere, really. Mike Trout's had another exceptional year, hasn't he? It might not yeah. be quite Mike Trout of old, but it it's still, I mean, for me, he's going to be in the top five of the of the MVP voting, most likely. Yeah, and then with Trout, it's um it's interesting. He did not have the same year, but I wouldn't say it was worse. Uh, I mean, obviously he was hurt for a little while. I think it would have been if he was uh, if he was playing like 150 games, he didn't miss 40. He missed like ten. That he would be in the conversation. Um, he would be. He would be. You know, he had fifty home runs, and yeah. You know, I don't necessarily know if he would have had a judge type year. So I don't think he would have been like. I think he would have been in the conversation for three. Mm-hmm. Um, but just because of, but any other year probably the probably winning it. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, his he he had an interesting year in the sense that it was different because if you look at his underlying numbers, lots of fly balls, lots of strikeouts he really became more of a power header mm-hmm. um, as a, and you know, he's not like stealing bases at all this year or anything like that. So he's not like some of the, di- some of the dynamism of his game is different. Uh, I'm not saying it's worse or better. I just think that it's, it's a little different. I mean, you saw a lot of teams play four man outfields against him this year and it's because his fly ball rate was up above like 40%, 45% yeah. for a lot of the year. And, and that was like a huge jump from what it had been hitting a lot of fly balls. I think, I think a part of that is because, um, you know, he, his, some of his, he obviously struggles on high fastballs. And I think mm-hmm. like, you know, maybe trying to do more with, with pitches that he felt like he could do with like lower in the zone and that leads to more fly balls, things like that more, you know, 
more pop-ups and, and, and yeah, I mean, sometimes he went through some deep struggles. I think part of that maybe was because of his back. Um, I was gonna, you know, that's what I was going to get onto. Yeah. I was gonna <laughs> say, do, do you think his back was playing a part in both the struggles, but also the approach he then took? You know, he didn't really say that, but I mean, I think it's tough to, it's tough to, you know, the way he played after his, after he got healthy would yeah. indicate that he was, yeah, he, he needed to get right. And he did. So that always needed to happen, I'm assuming. And it probably got to the point where he couldn't avoid it. Um, but, you know, with Mike, yeah, he obviously had some back issues. And, and I think before that, his slump was really bad. And, you know, obviously the way he played, like when he went to Philadelphia. And I felt bad because, you know, that's an important place for him. And he really yeah. had a bad series that year, that, that series. But he probably just wasn't himself. He probably wasn't, you know, feeling well. Yeah, I think you're right. And this is obviously something now he's going to have to monitor for the, the rest of his career. Obviously, those reports mid-season that was career-threatening and he's never going to be the same again. It all I mean, turned out to be nonsense. That, that, that I thought was avoidable. Uh, you know, that, that, that came from the head athletic trainer. Mike yeah. wasn't super around. It was in, when they were in Kansas City. He wasn't super around to, like, talk about, you know, his, how he was doing. And, and so it kind of left it to, uh, to the, the athletic trainers really address it. And, and I'm not really sure why the athletic trainers uh, comments were so much different than what Mike actually felt, but um, it, it was the way that it was presented to us. And that on that day was like, it, it came off as very concerning. And I think it was a little bit interesting that, that uh, it was just not actually like, as concerning as they portrayed it to be. So weird, weird day. I'll put it that way. It was a really yeah, weird day. Definitely. And I mean, relieved it ended up the way it was rather than the other way around. So I think we've got to look at the positives on that one. Uh, conscious of time. So I'm just going to go to some quick fire things. This was your first full season, wasn't it, with the team? I know mm -hmm. you were with them last year, but first of all, what first. would you say, what would you say was your highlight of, highlight of the year? My highlight or like what I thought was the best moment for the Angels? Both. Both, why not? Okay. Um, shoot, let's see. Their best moment. Man, it's got to be early in the season. I'm just trying to think of that. <laughs> what, what, when that would be. I mean, you know, I mean, there's a couple. I think like Otani going back to back on the eight RBIs and then the eight, eight uh, like eight shutout inning against the Royals is really cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, they took two out of three in Houston, Houston early in the season where they looked like a really capable team. Um, uh, obviously the week you were there was a pretty good week three <laughs> Demers, you know, taking two out of three against Tampa Bay. And, and, and I think with that, you know, they looked like a team that was going to be really good. They, they swept the guardians looked really good. It's kind of crazy. You think about it was, I think that was all in like in one week. And now I'm watching those teams, two teams play each other right now. The angels took like six of seven from them. Yep. And then by the way, got swept both times on the road, but you know, way later in the year, but, uh, it's, yeah, it's, you know, it's, those, those were the good times for this team, and you should never have left, I guess. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm reminded daily. What about for you on a personal level? Um, you know, I really – it's not really an Angels thing, but I really loved going and spending some time with Scott Spezio earlier this year um, and doing a story on his recovery. Uh, and I just thought it was – he's got a really beautiful story, and that to me was uh, – I love doing that. And, uh, you know, I know it's not an Angels 2022 story, but it is the 20 year anniversary of his homer and, and yeah. winning it all. So to me, that was, I think a lot of Angels fans still feel like a, a huge connection to him and um, really cool getting to know him and still talking to him and things like that. Oh, great. No, I, really, I, I love that story as well. So 
Glad it's your favourite. Who would you say was your the best Angels player this year that wasn't named Shohei Otani or Mike Trout? And it could be for any reason. It could be, you know, development coming through or performance or a bit of both or, you know, what they've brought to the clubhouse maybe outside of. I will go with um, part of me. God, part of me really wants to say Jimmy Hurricane, but I'm, I'm going to go with because uh, he did. It was a really great year. But, yeah. but I, I mean, I, I would say that it's the, in terms of most importance to the team. I'm going to go with uh, Taylor Ward. Um, you know, I, I think that if you, I mean, listen, if, 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 if Mike Trout and Joey Otani were on the MVP ballot, I think he might get a couple like votes just as 10th mm-hmm. place for someone that like really was important. His OPS was like, what, like 840? something. Yeah. Like that. I mean, I mean he obviously he was great at the start and great at the end, but yeah, it just, but he wasn't terrible in between. He wasn't really terrible. First, no. first yeah. full season, he dealt with some injuries. I mean, I, I wonder if he hadn't crashed into that wall, if this guy is not having an actual season where he's actually on ballots. Yeah. Um, you know, I think he would. I gen- nothing, nothing he did at the start of the year seemed unsustainable, other than, you know, obviously a few more home runs than expected or whatever. But it wasn't like you looked at Taylor Ward and you thought this is a player that's going to have a couple of hot weeks and then crash back down. Everything looked sustainable. And he's proven, I think, over the course of the year that even when he has those down weeks, he can bounce back. And yeah, he's I really. Yeah, you know, and I think a lot of fans are like in the middle of the year in particular got annoyed because he was like taking too many pitches. Mm-hmm. He was striking out looking a bit, but yeah, I think you have to take that sometimes with a guy like Ward who's just got a really good eye, who's, you know, his priority is, is waiting for his pitch, and when you do that, you're going to strike out looking every once in a while. But, um, you know, and they're gonna. I mean, listen, the Angels struck out a lot. I mean, they. I, I think they were like top five all time in strikeouts this year, so that's an issue. Uh, a separate issue um but outside of that i mean look like taylor ward had i mean luis renifo again is another guy who would put in that category of like wow like what a year for him if it wasn't for just like no depth anywhere else like we'd be talking about this guy a lot more as someone who's like i mean listen i think both those guys proved that they're major league starters Mm um i think they proved that they deserve to be somewhere in that starting lineup somewhere in the major leagues next year Taylor Ward, I assume, will be the right fielder. Yeah. You know, Luis Renifo, I assume, will be second baseman. I mean, the Angels should try and go out. I mean, listen, I... I mean, the ideal like, world, we, we sign a shortstop and you have Fletch and Renifo and the shortstop rotating around the three. I, I think that's exactly right. I mean, I think that the Angels... Do, do, do you have, do you, are you a successful team if you have Renifo and Fletcher both starting every day in your lineup? It's tough. I mean, I just don't know if, like, Fletcher brings enough offense. I think he brings... Certain dynam- dynamism to the game that is different, but I just think that the offense is is not quite enough. He's he's a good if you have a lot of if you have eight good other hitters, he's perfect at number nine, right? Um, but if you don't have enough good other hitters, he's not hit. He, he's a hole in the lineup. I think that's mm-hmm. it's like with I mean Perry made Velasquez a good point. Is the April, same, right? Yeah, well, he made that good point about Velasquez, like in that in April and May when when the team was really good and hitting really well people really didn't mind that he didn't hit. They were like, he's bringing a lot to the team. He's fast. He's got great defense. It's, you know, he's got like this, this spark to him that people liked, but then when the lineup thinned out and, and your hitting gets worse and then it's like, okay, well, Velasquez is like just hitting 100 and it's, we, it's totally not good enough. And the team did get better once Velasquez got injured as well. Yeah. I mean, listen, I think Levon Soto came up and put himself in that Velasquez category as someone who might be a little bit better hitter doesn't strike out as much and might actually be a good backup midfielder mm-hmm. 
major league level, if not starting. I mean, the way he played, he looked like a starter, obviously, but he did. He's not going to hit 430. You know, he's, and I think some of his expected numbers were probably pretty severely different than what they actually were because, you know, he hit, hit some holes and things like that. But um, like his Babbitt was probably really high from what I would yeah. imagine. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I even forgot what the original question was, but yeah, <laughs> just like Taylor Ward had that great year and Luis Renifo and uh, those guys and Jimmy Hergit. I mean, those were even like Reed Detmer is another guy. Just I think you know, I'll, I'll allow you to have Jimmy Hergit. Don't worry. You can have Jimmy. Yeah. I just listen. I think Jimmy Hergit is as a great story and is a great player to see the most important improvement on this team this year. I would say no, but he really filled in a lot of holes when they needed him. He was he was great, yeah. And he, nothing about him suggests he should be great, which I think is why I like him even more. He's a fan favorite, I mean, for sure. Yeah. And he's got a great look to him. and Exactly. You know, great uh, way about him, and he's a nice guy, and all of it's really cool. There we go. Finally, I mean, last time we spoke, I mean, you actually – my favorite article of the year was one you wrote, obviously, about me um, – how did the reaction go down? We haven't actually spoken about this since it was written, but I mean, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it on a personal note. So even Adam Rank liked it. So what am I supposed to? <laughs> That's because Adam uh, Rank likes me, though. So it's true. Yeah, um, he does. <laughs> it's a, like the Venn diagram there. Uh, <laughs> I I thought the reaction was great. You know what I loved about the reaction is is that it had the purpose that I kind of wanted it to have, which is everyone explaining why they still love the Angels. Yeah, you know what I mean. You know, I think everyone I saw my mentions and in the comments were like explaining their fandom, whether it's about the Angels or another team. I think that's the best part about a story like that is it reminds people of, man, in a year like this where it's like I could just shut it off. Why is it that I still come back and I still like the team and I still root for the team or I ever liked the team to begin with? Yeah, um, I think that's why your story was cool for people. It just reminds reminds people of why this stuff isn't just a stupid game and why it's important to people, why it matters. And the the things that it can create for you and that's why it's sad when a season ends i think yeah. because it, you know it, you spend a whole year hoping and even when when the team's out of it you still hope for certain things to happen and you still you know find comfort in watching them and um i get it right like you know i grew up a mets fan and i'm not gonna deny the fact that i'm like six hours away from being you know a nervous wreck so <laughs> we'll see uh <laughs> Uh, I don't know when this will be published or air, but I'm sure by the time it happens, the Mets will have already been eliminated. So, um. I'll probably, this will probably be up tomorrow, so it should be all right. Perfect. Well, Only down on one. Three games now, so. Yeah. Um, so that's cool. I mean, I think that's why people appreciate uh, your story. And uh, it speaks to a larger thing than just you. And I think it's nice that you can kind of represent people in that way. Yeah, sure. Obviously, my mom was the star of the article as well. So. She, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. She obviously <laughs> liked it. <laughs> she did. She definitely did. Uh, finally, then, thanks, Sam, so much for your coverage of the Angels this year. I know that I'd say you're one of the more divisive writers we've ever had following the Angels, but I think that's a positive. We spoke about this last time you were on the show. I think ultimately, actually, I looked at your mentions at the end of the year and a lot of positive comments, a lot of people saying thank you for holding the team to account and asking the questions that, to be honest, we haven't had asked of the team in quite a long time. So just from my behalf, but also I know Angels fans everywhere, just thank you for covering the team the way you do. And I know you won't stop doing that as we go into the off season and next year. Because uh, there's a lot more questions to be asked. Yeah, it is. And I listen, it's, I appreciate that. And I think it's important. And, you know, I think it's divisive among people that, you know, maybe view the role of the media in a certain way. But I think if you view the role of the media as trying to get answers for the for your for the fans and try not having the fans understand i mean listen i don't have answers for everything and there are a lot of times i get questions from people that i'm just like i don't know 
right? Like when is the ownership going to sale going to happen? There's a lot of stuff you just don't know. But I think that if you can, if your role is, Hey, I'm going to press them on this. You know, I've called out Perry like five times for not talking for two months. And then yesterday he spends an hour, not mm -hmm. and nobody, he never once said I need to go. And I think that part of it is like, Hey, you know, you, if you get called out for stuff that you're not doing well, then there is pressure on you to, to do it better. And so hopefully calling out someone like Artie to, to be better and to, it, it, it forces him to realize that, that they're not just going to get away with doing things at, at, poorly. Yeah. At, at the yeah. very least, they're going to get called out for it. So that's what I like to do. Um, I think it's an important role. And, um, you know, I think that the other beat writers do a good job and uh, they also ask tough questions, honestly. Um, and uh, they, you know, it's not, I'm doing this better than anyone else. So just, I, I view that as my role and that's just me personally. And if it leads to some people with the team not liking me as much or certain broadcasters not liking me as much, then whatever, it happens. I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna cry about it. I just find that it's, uh, I find that we have different jobs sometimes. And, um, you know, it's, it's not bad when there are two different, when there are different people in different roles doing different things. Absolutely. Well, Sam, have a great off season. I know you'll still be writing and doing covering the team as it goes on and you think you're off to houston so enjoy yourself down there yes don't angels fans don't be mad at me i promise i'm coming back uh, <laughs> unless they unless they force me to stay in houston i mean i'm leaving my dog up here so he i gotta come back for him so there we go <laughs> thanks very yeah. much sam thank you i'll see you guys later